Support for This is the City is provided by Raw Materials. Voted Downtown LA's best art supply store, they provide digital prints, custom framing, and a wealth of other tools for your creative needs. Visit them online at rawmaterialsla.com. From downtown Los Angeles, this is The City, a podcast focusing on the politics, art, and culture of Los Angeles. I'm your host, Garen Kelsaw. This week, we meet Tom Gilmore of Gilmore Associates, one of the pioneering developers in downtown. The fundamental view of Los Angeles is changing. Also, trust talks are a way to engage the community of DTLA, and we are proud to speak with Delonte Golston of the Downtown Clergy Council about this upcoming agenda. Point out uh, the need for officers and a community to restore trust. First up, let's talk trust talks. Earlier this year, I joined a multifaceted conversation at the last bookstore called Trust Talks, organized by the Downtown Clergy Council. The hours we spent meeting and discussing our concerns as stakeholders and neighbors felt like a real step in the right direction. With another Trust Talk conversation on the horizon, we took the opportunity to speak with Delante Golston, one of the organizers, about these roundtable discussions. This is The City. I'm Garen Kelsaw. Joining on me on the line now is Delante Goldston, member of the Downtown Clergy Council. How are you today, man? Hey, brother. Doing well. Doing well, Garen. Thanks a lot for uh, inviting me, man. Oh, thank you for coming to hang out. I was privileged to be a part of the initial trust talks that happened in downtown LA at the last bookstore in April, where members of the community, the LA City Attorney's Office and LAPD all sat down to talk about some of the struggles uh, of communication. I think that it's pretty clear and pretty okay to say that are occurring right now. What was kind of the driving force for you as a downtown clergy council to put these trust talks on? Well, we have been looking at what's been happening in our country and it's just been grieved, you know, and, you know, a lot of what happened in New York, uh, their Garner, a lot of what happened, uh, obviously with Michael Brown, Rakia Boyd, just the list goes on and on and on of the tragedies that uh, we have experienced as a nation in uh, between 2014 and 2015. Uh, so it's just been uh, kind of building up and um, we've been wanting to do something as a clergy council for quite some time um, and just didn't kind of know what to do and had been talking, should we organize a march? Should we organize some kind of a rally? Should we organize some kind of a, uh, a social media event where we just point out uh, the need for officers and a community to restore trust? Um, and so we sought out some wisdom. You know, we went to um, Dr. Cecil Murray at USC at the uh, Center for uh, Civic Engagement and uh, saw his wisdom and sat down with some other uh, prominent pastors, Reverend Dr. Lewis Logan and uh, others. And um, they all encouraged us to that the best way to kind of pursue justice was also to pursue peace in a substantive way. So um, I'd had a, a, some experience um, doing racial dialogues, racial reconciliation dialogue. I've been trained as a facilitator to do that. And so my background is in real estate, and I have seen real estate developers and urban planners use like a, what's called a community charrette process to like kind of get um, key stakeholders involved so that a developer is not accused of trying to like steamroll a project through a community. Instead, they try to get 
feedback and insight from the community first before they do any kind of major investments. So um, looking at that process and also like a kind of a uh, racial, more of a racial diversity dialogue background, I said, let's try something different. And um, we had a great team of folks on the clergy council, uh, Pastor June Garvey, uh, Pastor Claudette Warren, Officer Dion Joseph, um, and a number of, 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 of leaders from Union Rescue Mission, Dr. Ann Bales, obviously Pastor Kevin Hawes, who's the president of the clergy council, um, wanted to pursue something that was more substantive. So especially after we had met with kind of, kind of like a, our godfather, a uh, father in the ministry, Dr. Murray, and got his counsel, we said, okay, you know, let's, let's try something substantive and, that was where we landed. So after the first one, how, what was the takeaways? What did you uh, feel about it as it kind of dissipated in the waning months since April? Well, um, we were really fortunate to have um, some great data that we collected from the first talks. So all of our facilitators, we were fortunate to have facilitators from the LA city uh, attorney's office, from world vision, um, from um, other key like organizational leadership, um, Organization, so we were able to call some of the conversations, some of the data from the conversations, and basically it, it fell into um, four main categories of what folks were interested in focusing on next. Um, and so, about a fourth of folks basically said that um, they wanted they wanted more of an opportunity to they appreciated humanizing their story and humanizing the stories of officers, but they wanted to do more of that. Um, so the humaniz- the humanization piece that comes from sharing your story was a big piece moving forward. Um, the second piece that people said they wanted was they wanted to see practical policy uh, solutions talked about more in more detail. Uh, we did a little bit of that in the first one, but um, this next one uh, is, is going to be even more focused on practical policy uh, uh, solutions uh, for some of the issues that plague our community. And then third, uh, and fourthly, we're going to get to those two issues. So um, those main two issues were mental health and policing and homelessness slash affordable housing and policing. So um, our structure for this next Trust Talks event is going to be really focused around um, those two issues, mental health and housing and homelessness. And so that being said, uh, let's definitely not forget to include everyone on the upcoming date of the the next one. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. we're going to be meeting again October 3rd. Uh, It's a Saturday morning. We'll be meeting from 10 until 1 p.m. at Unique Space in the Arts District. Uh, So that's October 3rd, uh, Saturday morning. 10 a.m. until 1 p.m. in the unique space in the Arts District. That's 1275 6th Street. 1275 6th Street, um, right uh, just east of Alameda. So it's, 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 uh, it'll be real accessible for folks who are living on the row and also be obviously accessible for folks in the Arts District and in downtown. We need to make sure you get registered. It's a registration-only event, so if you live, work, worship, or have a heart for downtown, if you own a business, if you're a service provider, if you're uh, on Skid Row, uh, if you live in a loft, if you, uh, if you in any way have a heart for downtown, um, be sure to register at www.trusttalks.org. That's www.trusttalks.org. 
org, and we'll see you on October 3rd. Fantastic, man. And so I want to kind of backtrack a little bit, too, and talk about what happens from here. Did you feel like you're getting good energy from the powers kind of in quotation marks that be about what is discussed here and about what's coming out? Because I know people want to be very involved, but they also don't want to feel like they're spinning their wheels, man. They want to feel like that, you know, if we do this and spend time that this is going to have traction and the input will matter. Yeah, I'll be honest with you, man. You never know how these things are going to go. You know, I, I, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to sit up here and try to lie to you and tell you I know what we're doing and I know where things are going. I have no idea. I'm, I'm a man of faith, and so a lot of this I'm putting in God's hands. Um, but certainly we have a plan and we have a vision of what is possible. Uh, so practically speaking, I've been encouraged. You know, when we met the last time, it was the week after we found out that uh, Freddie Gray had died. And so, to be frank with you, I thought the thing was just going to fall apart. It was just, I thought the emotions were going to be too raw. I thought it was going to be just too touch and go. Um, but people came ready to have real dialogue, real conversation, little fluff. You know, people got in and, and went in and, and were honest. Uh, both from the police perspective, they were honest about how they feel mischaracterized at times by the media and the, and the community were honest about how they feel frequently dehumanized uh, by officers. Uh, even officers were very honest about how they have been racially profiled by their fellow officers when they've been off and on duty. Um, so, you know, it was real talk. So I, I, I valued that. But to directly answer your question about the powers, uh, in quotes, um, I've been encouraged by their involvement too. Uh, LAPD through Officer Joseph, who's the senior lead officer at Central Division for Skid Row, uh, he stuck up to the plate. He's going to provide us with uh, a, a good number of officers. Again, we had 13 officers last time. Uh, he's expecting uh, the same, if not more, at this next event. He's also going to bring four beat officers, uh, which was a request that we had based upon the feedback the last time. Because it's one thing to have, like, community relations officers, sort of the good guys, but it's another thing to have officers who are on the beat who the, who the community knows and may be critical of. So it's good to hear both perspectives, both the professional p police officers who are professional kind of talking heads, if you will, but also to hear from the, the foot soldiers who are actually day in, day out, they're dealing with uh, with the issues of safety and, and, and uh, balancing issues of, of, of race and class and mental health, et cetera, um, on the ground. So I've been encouraged by LAPD. I've also been encouraged by... Uh, uh, city Attorney Kirk Connect uh, out of Mike Fuhrer's office and the City Attorney's office. Um, they contacted me to meet up and uh, are wholeheartedly behind this next trust talks. Uh, they, they have helped to facilitate uh, bringing Councilmember Huizar's office to the table. We met with them uh, last week. Well, they'll have two to three staff at the event. Um, they are uh, helping to facilitate uh, bringing Mayor. Garcetti's uh, key personnel that deal with mental, mental health and housing uh, to this next talks. Uh, and uh, we have a meeting scheduled also uh, with um, County Supervisor Hilda Felice's office in a week. Uh, we're expecting two to three staff from her office uh, as well through Molly Reisman, who used to, uh, used to work on Skid Row and the Skid Row Housing Trust, you know, works as a deputy for uh, Sheila Kuehl. So uh, Molly helped us out there. Um, and we're also hoping to have uh, Mark Willie Thomas's staff uh, present 
Um, so it, it's going to be really key to have on the housing and mental health conversation to have folks that deal with homelessness on the city level, but also folks that deal with um, mental health on a county level. Um, so we want to really have that representation at each table. Um, and also, I'm really uh, thankful um, to have um, more uh, clear participation this year from the Los Angeles Community Action Network. I was privileged to meet uh, recently with Eric Aries, who's a community organizer with L.A. Can, and I was privileged to go to a meeting of, uh, with L.A. Can and get a ch- got a chance to talk to Pete Wilson, one of the co-executive directors there. Uh, and so we're in conversation now with L.A. Can about how they will constructively contribute to the conversation as well, because it is important that the activist community be, uh, be present uh, and uh, that it be a true dialogue. You know, uh, there's going to be one narrative certainly presented on the part of the city, and there'll be it'll be important to have another narrative that'll be presented on the part of uh, a community activist perspective as well. So uh, we we, t- we truly intend for it to be a table of uh, true uh, discussion and conversation. Uh, and we're going to be looking to hold everybody accountable because we, we, you know, if people want to do this again, we'll do it again uh, and keep the process uh, going uh, as as far as far and as long as it needs to go until we start to see change. Delonte Golson is a member of the Downtown Clergy Council. Delonte, thank you again so much for joining us. Thank you, Garen. I really appreciate the opportunity to be with you, man. For more on Trust Talks, visit our website. This is the city.net. This is the City is supported by Raw Materials, sponsors of the 2015 Plein Air Festival, a five-day celebration of outdoor painting in Los Angeles. From October 7th to 11th, over 100 artists will create and compete, but everyone is welcome to come down and paint and draw. For a schedule and info on how to register, visit LAPlenairFestival.com. That's L-A-P-L-E-I-N-A-I-R-Festival.com. At This Is The City, we strive to provide the story of downtown Los Angeles for all of our listeners, but we can't do it without you. If you enjoy our work, please consider donating on our website. It's easy to do via PayPal, and it helps us cover the costs of producing the show. You can also help others discover the show by sharing us on social media or leaving us a review in iTunes. Thank you so much for listening. Tom Gilmore is a well-known name in downtown. The architecture firm he founded was one of the first to use the Adaptive Reuse Ordinance, which has become the cornerstone to the revitalization of downtown. Recently, it was announced that he has plans to build a museum in the Bank District. We had the pleasure to sit down with Tom to learn more about his views on downtown and this upcoming cultural contribution to our city. I'm Tom Gilmore, uh, a Los Angeles developer uh, in the historic part of downtown Los Angeles. And a developer of some fame, I might add, who has it's, been around. It's fame or, 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 or notoriety or, or infamy. I'm not, you can check, you can take your pick of any one of those three. Yeah, so we should talk about how you got started in downtown and how the renovation itself of downtown kind of came about. Do you want to tell us about the uh, your driving factor? Sure. Uh, I mean, I'll give it to you in, in a nutshell because, uh, I mean, it is, it, it's is—it's like the Hobbit. It's such a long story. But um, I was actually here uh, doing architectural consulting um, and, and was living in New York at the time and was working in downtown on a building uh, right off Pershing Square. And at the time, it was 1991, 92, 
And uh, I, I just, in the course of doing work on, on this building, was just sort of shocked and, to be perfectly honest, kind of appalled by the state of downtown in general. Uh, even though Bunker Hill was pretty well complete at that time, um, there was this incredible lack of, of street life and, and, and nightlife, and, and there was sort of a cultural wasteland other than Mocha up on the hill and the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion and all of that. Um, you know, Disney Hall hadn't been built. Uh, the uh, um, you know the other cultural institutions along uh, Grand Avenue hadn't been even thought of. I think at the point. So it was a pretty depressing downtown, but it was pretty clear to me at the time, having come from New York, that um, that the reintroduction of urbanism into into virtually every city in America was imminent. That that sooner or later. Um, the, 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 the stronghold that the automobile and suburbia had on cities was, was slowly being um, broken up and that cities were once again going to become, you know, the, 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 the cultural and uh, entertainment and, and essentially the soul of, of the city once again. Los Angeles was unique in that Los Angeles was such a spread out city. It was so multipolar. Uh, it was so divided amongst itself that, that it kind of made sense that it was also um, the most dysfunctional major city in America when it came to its urbanism. Um, but it was clear that if downtown could be reimagined, that it could once again have the gravitational pull that was needed to, to pull the you know, civic society, cultural society, and, and, and the general population uh, into a dialogue with itself. And, and so... We embarked upon that journey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so a lot of that came from the adaptive reuse ordinance, being yeah. able to move these buildings into the current states yeah. of the future. And so now we're at a point where there's cranes everywhere. It's crazy, isn't it? It's great. It's it's you know it's interesting. It's it's it was a it was a process, and and I mean we we're we're very lucky in that we get a lot of credit for doing. Uh, a lot, but it, but but in reality, we were just sort of the guys pushing the snowball down the hill. I mean, once it got its own momentum, uh, that momentum was pretty unstoppable. And and I think Los Angeles's global appeal uh, far outstripped its local sense of itself. And so now, all of a sudden, once the ball started rolling down the hill, uh, I think everybody just began to jump on and realize that the second largest city in America also happened to be the key city in America for growth in the next five decades. So it was, it was you know, we got lucky because we got a lot of credit for it, but really it's like every crane out there has nothing to do with us other than, you know, we were the little guys who pushed the ball down. The yeah, it was timing in a lot of good ways too. No doubt. Way. And luck. Yeah. Lots of luck. And so now we're at this point too where there's a lot of push and pull. I mean, there's obviously existing issues in downtown from the abandonment, uh, you know, Skid Row, sure. homelessness, and you obviously have touched on that in your varied and various careers. Yeah. Um, and what do you think right now the city kind of needs to settle this battle that's occurring between all the new development and the homelessness issues that are still very prevalent? It, it's a huge question. I think it's the question. Uh, um, I was before I was even developing in downtown. I, I ended up for some reason uh, as a city commissioner for Los Angeles Homeless Services Authority, and I spent six years doing that, and got a real worm's eye view of what was going on and and, and the infrastructure of, of the, the you know. And it's a bad phrase, but I'll use it anyway. It was sort of the homeless industrial complex that had been built in downtown. 
um, because at the time, back in the early 90s, it was pretty clear that in its abandonment of downtown, the city had also unwittingly decided that it was going to be the rug under which it swept every one of its social problems. So they created this containment policy, essentially created Skid Row uh, in the early 80s, and set in motion a series of absolutely tragic events that would lead to not only um, not assisting and helping the homeless, but actually exacerbating the homeless problem in, in Los Angeles. But by hiding it downtown, no one knew. You know. So now, all of a sudden, um, you have a, a city regenerating itself, and, and now you know, that rug's been pulled up. So now the, the, the reality of Skid Row and the reality of the homeless um, situation in Los Angeles is becoming apparent, not to just those of us who live downtown, but to the broader community. And, and so while the, the, there's a certain amount of outrage throughout the city right now about homelessness, I, you know, in, in an odd way, I'm kind of happy about that because for so much of this time, everybody's been able to ignore it. And now there's so many eyes on the street that rational solutions are going to have to come to the surface. And in the meantime, there's a lot of push and pull and there's a lot of them versus us. And, and, and all of that ultimately is a little counterproductive because I think you have an amazingly progressive population in this city. I think you even have an amazingly progressive business population in this city. So if there's a solution to be found, it's going to be found in the, in the middle. It's not going to be found in, in hard business advocacy or even hardcore homeless advocacy. It's going to be in this notion of now that the problem is becoming so obvious to everybody, you know, what are the incremental solutions that can happen here as opposed to the, you know, the incredible amount of, of useless band-aids we've kept putting on it over the last three or four decades. So I, you know, I don't like the, the, the fight that goes on, but I recognize the fight is necessary and I don't see it as a gentrification versus homelessness conversation. I think that's a pretty one-dimensional conversation. I think it's about the nature of change and the nature of cities and the, and the essential need to address homelessness comprehensively throughout the city and, and, and not have the, 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 uh, the, the ability to just keep it away from everybody's eyes. I think homelessness needs to be front and center. I think it needs to be something that, that has uh, a lot more weight to it than just how do we move people off the street. It's about how do we create an environment that prevents homelessness and that addresses homelessness as it does occur. But I don't think that conversation wouldn't have hap would have happened had not this new influx of humanity begin begun to you know uh, identify and inhabit downtown. So it's a, it's an interesting thing. You know, it's like I hate it, but I also know it's essential that we have that discussion. Well, I greatly appreciate the answer because it is so much larger than the simple dichotomy of gentrification versus yeah. homelessness. And yeah. so. I hope that we can all grow beyond that part of the conversation to the next steps of solutions. Uh, so let's talk about also, you know, you were mentioning Bunker Hill, cultural institutions, and you are also considering dabbling into some cultural institutions yourself, I understand. Uh, we are. Uh, it, and and it's, it's hard to talk about it because we are in the early stages of it, but we're in very serious early stages of it, uh, and we're committed to moving forward. Um, but it is, it is not just the notion of, of, of the, the, the fact that we're going to build a, a museum in, in the old bank district. It is the notion that 
as the city moves forward, as the urban center moves forward, we're, we're, going, we're trying to redefine again how sustainable cities work. And, and so while on one level we were lucky enough to be able to define this round of development in downtown, um, I feel an obligation and, and a desire to, to work with it again to find the next iteration of how the city works. And for me, it's not, you know, if, if your city just degenerates into high-end retail, high-end this, high-end that, and, and, you know, it just becomes, you know, New York becomes L.A., L.A. becomes Chicago, Chicago becomes Miami, they all have this oddly global, homogenous quality to them. I, I think that if we're going to be successful in, in creating a sustainable urban environment that is uniquely Los Angeles in its nature, then, then we have to rethink the model of urbanism. So we're trying to do um, a museum that is very much about the work that's going on creatively in Los Angeles today. It's very specific to Los Angeles. Uh, it is very specific to downtown right now. Uh, architecturally, it is, it is going to break out of the box uh, in terms of what people's notions are about how buildings work and how museums work and all that. So we're, we're we're quietly trying to do the next radical thing we can do. So it, it, it's going to take us about five years to do it, um, but we are are fully committed to moving forward with it and creating the most insanely wonderful place in L.A. Well, I just want to say that I'm sure myself and my listeners are happy to hear that we don't want a homogenous, yeah. <laughs> you know, Gucci-filled, you know, strip of yeah. shopping because there's more to L.A. than that. We're so much yeah. more. It's like, it's about content, really. I mean, it's it's it's. Commerce is really important. I'm, you know, I'm a fan of commerce. Great, we all benefit by commerce on some level, but co commerce can't supplant content. Content is the driving force of everything, and, and the thing that makes Los Angeles unique is the extraordinary creative community here, and the fact that they don't have a place for all those ideas to coalesce within is is really unfortunate. I mean, you can do a little bit of Bergman Station, you can do a little in the Arts District, you know, but downtown is is revealing itself to be an incredible place to be able to coalesce and, and bring uh, the arts together in a, in a pretty meaningful way. So we're, we're, we're jumping in. This is the cultural nexus, so to speak, for young creatives to come yeah. and uh, be, there's tech, there's artists, there's movie makers, yeah. and they're all interacting with each other in this little neighborhood. Kind of what you were saying earlier, too, about the street life and being able to communicate. Yeah. This is one of the only neighborhoods I know in Los Angeles where people know their neighbors. It's so interesting, isn't and it? And hang so out at cool. the bars and know the bartenders. Yeah. Everybody's like, hey, I'll see you next weekend. It's very cool. I mean, we're going to Clifton's tonight for the opening of Clifton's. Yeah. And it's just, I know there's going to be 500 people there, I know. And not, you know, it's not the hoi polloi and the hoity-toities. It's, it's just all the folks we know on the street that are doing their thing. It's, you know, what's interesting is that even in my hometown, New York, I mean, I'm sure you've seen it in the papers, but I'm also hearing it on the street in New York. The fundamental view of Los Angeles is changing in New York. They just, they're looking at it now going, oh, so they're a really creative community that is actually doing amazing things and and that they pay half our rent. Yeah. <laughs> For much larger space. That's yeah, no, no. yeah. awesome. Um, I just became uh, chair of SciArc, Southern California Institute of Architecture here in downtown. and. Uh, I was at their opening uh, of thesis, uh, the, the thesis show on Friday, and and if there was ever a doubt in anyone's mind that Los Angeles is the creative capital of the world, and particularly architecturally, that doubt was erased from my mind this weekend because the work that's going on at SciArc 
it's it, it's like the Manhattan Project of uh, of architecture. I mean, it's the most creative environment I've ever seen, and and to know that that's like sitting in the heart of the city, and and sending student bringing people, students in from everywhere around the world, and then sending them back out, back out into the streets of Los Angeles. It's just such an encouraging component of what's going on in the rest of downtown. But to have Institutions like that, SciArt, for having FITM here, for having USC nearby, I mean, that influx of, of new ideas and people from other countries constantly informing who we are is, is, is kind of the lifeblood of the new generation of downtown Los Angeles. It's what gives me that sense that this is an ascendant process, that, that LA isn't even thinking about leveling out right now, that, it, that it's ascendancy culturally, uh, educationally, and, and, you know, hopefully economically and the rest is, is a long-term ascendant process. And, and the more I see it, the more I realize that we have to just, we have to up our game. And I don't mean up our game economically, we just have to up our game in terms of the quality of work we do, all of us. And so I looked at other developers, I looked at restaurateurs, I looked at whoever, whoever's doing business on the street right now and saying, this is your opportunity to play on a field that no one gets to play on. No one's playing on a field like this right now. The opportunities are huge in front of you and there's no predetermined expectation about what constitutes success. So define success and then rock and roll, make it happen because you, you have a playing field right now that's unlike any other in the world. So it's, 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 that just drives me crazy with how cool it is. You know? This is the city is looking for underwriting. If you're a service professional or business looking to reach our diverse and growing audience in downtown and beyond, contact us at thisisthecity.net or thisisthecitypodcast at gmail.com. Thank you again to Tom and Delante for joining us. You can join us next week on This is the City for more of the politics, art, and culture that make Los Angeles. And be sure to check out our other show, Eat Drink Podcast, for the insight on what to eat and drink when you're in downtown. This is the City is written and produced by me, Garen Kelsaw, and my partner, John Sosnowski. Our theme music is by Taj Simmons. You can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. We're on Twitter at This is the City LA or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash This is the City. Send us a message or leave a comment. Let us know what you think and what you want to hear in upcoming episodes. Until next time, be well.